Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The city of Chicago has confirmed it plans to move forward with the controversial plan to build a winterized base camp in Brighton Park as long as the site passes an environmental assessment. Last week, tensions ran high at a protest in Brighton Park where participants attacked Alderwoman Julia Ramirez and members of her staff who had come to hear residents' concerns. Her office put out a statement condemning the violence and placing blame on the mayor's office for keeping her and residents in the dark. We spoke with Alderwoman Ramirez about what's next for community engagement and for the base camp at 38th in California. And I started off by asking her what she thinks about the city's decision to move ahead with the site. About a week and a half ago, I ended up getting calls from residents that live very close to 38th in California by the lot saying that they were seeing city workers. And so I reached out to the city, asked them why it was the case that, you know, people were working and they said, we are doing an assessment. And so I do want to make very clear, and it's been really difficult explaining this to my residents as I get information, you know, as they are in saying that the intent is there to open up the site. It's still not official and verified due to some of this assessment. And so along with the environmental inspection, there's also water reclamation. And the reason being is because, you know, at these 10 sites that a lot of people don't know, Mm -hmm. you're going to have showers, you're going to have bathrooms. And if the sewage system is not built out to um, uphold that, then they can't, and it's not a viable site and they can't use the site. So many things that need to be checked before we just put tents up, right? Uh, Well, I'm going to go back to last week. When uh, Colin Boyle of, of Block Club Chicago took video of you, I watched it. You were completely surrounded by protesters. Uh, they were shoving signs at you. I mean, you were trying to cover your face. It was hard to watch. I, I have to say, it was hard to watch. Um, a staffer was sort of shielding you to sort of shepherd you back to a car. How do you make sense of what happened? Because I know what I saw, but I mean, take us back. And in your shoes. Yeah, I mean, I want to be very clear that I'm validating the feelings that people are feeling all throughout the city of Chicago, especially a place like Brighton Park. I was born and raised in Brighton Park. My family has been there for 50 years. And so, you know, leading up and I mean, we're talking about a matter of days. People were asking me, stand with us, listen to us, because they hadn't had the opportunity to share their questions and concerns. And, and, you know, I was door knocking, calling folks on the phone, and people said, we would love to have you there. And what people didn't see that is that I was actually there 15 to 20 minutes being able to do that mm-hmm. in, in engaging with residents. Be- and so, before the violence broke out. Yeah, before before any of that actually was filmed and, and that happened. And so I say that we have to pivot and we have to do better. And, you know, ultimately, we have to do better by the city. But, you know, now on this platform, I'm asking and demanding that we get further support from the state and the federal because, you know, what we're seeing in Texas is literally on on our doorsteps. And a place like Brighton Park that has been neglected, disinvested, they're 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 ultimately getting the brunt of of having to kind of salvage whatever we can. So. Once you heard that the site was being considered, you went about trying to hear from from residents, right? So what what did they tell you, especially the ones that you got to talk to 
at that protest? Of course. Um, I I walked around the immediate area, um, very close to the lot. And in those conversations, one, it's public safety, of course. I mean, this isn't just a typical shelter, a brick and mortar. This is like six, seven shelters yeah. in one space. And so people have a lot of questions about how can you make sure that we feel safe because of all the added concerns that we have right now in the city? The other part of it is, is how temporary is it? What is the plan long term? And so when people, you know, think about this temporary or not so temporary, people are like, we've worked so hard. We're homeowners. What does this mean for property value? When, when, when does it stop, you know, raising our taxes? You know, how are we going to get more support instead of feeding into this? Um, and so, you know, being able to listen and being able to to share those concerns with the city because they have to come up with those fine details in order for this to work for everyone. So it's not just a clear cut, oh, we don't want these people in our neighborhood. Yeah, I, you know, I think what what's happening is like the lack first of, you know, answers, the lack of information. So, you know, misinformation comes through and then you kind of cling on to that. Um, and ultimately, I think that people may be more open than I think what some people assume. And that's why we're leading up to the community meeting today and to make sure that we're all on the same page. What has happened for the week and a half? Um, what What's to come and how are we able to do that together? They also talked about safety concerns, as you mentioned, like what? Yeah. I mean, you know, in a place like Brighton Park, one of the reasons why I ran in the first place is because we're next to Little Village, Pilsen, back of the yards. And so what happens is like customarily, you know, these top 10 neighborhoods tend to get most of the programming, you know, youth jobs, all of these things. And places like Brighton Park get really neglected. Right. And so what happens is, is that, you know, crime has no boundaries. The, the gangs have no boundaries. And, you know, we, we deal, you know, with gangs in Brighton Park and I lost my brother to gun violence. And so I know that how that affects people. And, and so people just want to take care of what they have. And, you know, I've been able to see living there, you know, also the way in which people have come together to make Brighton Park better and safer. And they just want to continue down that path. Mm -hmm. Brighton Park is a neighborhood made up predominantly of Latino immigrants. That's correct. How would you say in this case, immigrant groups are being pitted against each other? Yeah. So, you know, it's majority a Mexican community. Um, many of my residents are also undocumented. And so when you're hearing different processes of like asylum seekers, maybe, you know, having the opportunity to work or having gone through a system, you know, so quickly when people have been here X amount of years, I think it gets really difficult in figuring out, but what about me? Like, I, you know, how do I win in this? Um, you know, another part of it being predominantly Hispanic, it's a growing Asian community. Um, you know, from the past 10 years, it's grown from five to 20%. And I think some of the things that we're facing is that it's predominantly Hispanic, Spanish speaking, mm -hmm. and predominantly Asian, um, Chinese speaking. And so, you know, there's a little bit of barrier there in terms of just communication and uh, just a bit of othering. So back to the, the city and its its uh, decision to sort of move forward here with selecting this site, right? Which you say was without asking for your buy-in. That's correct. In the first place. Aldermanic prerogative, right? That Which is that practice, you smile, that practice that, that gives you and your colleagues veto power over uh, development in your wards. It's not being given in this case. This is because of the urgency of needing to find warm places for these new arrivals to, to sleep this winter. 
Your thoughts? Yes. And I actually was questioned on that. You know, um, a resident asked me about that. He said, what about the aldermanic prerogative? And I just said, that's a really good question. And I think a lot of us um, are having those conversations in the council. What I also want to say is that at a leader, I, re I as a leader, I realize that there is a crisis. We have people at the police stations that we're not able to actually put any more asylum seekers at any of the locations that we have. And so when we think about public safety, I just want people to know I'm leaning in as much as I can because I believe if a person isn't given a humane, dignified process, then we'll actually see some of these public safety concerns. But if we give them a process where they can get housed, they can get resources, their kids can go to school, then they have a fighting chance to really kind of move forward as quickly as possible and um, with every intent be part of, you know, the neighborhood. So when should the mayor's office, you think, be able to make the final decision, even if it's not in line with what an alder or some community residents want? Uh, from what the conversations I've been having these past few days, asking for more transparency, more communication throughout this process, uh, the administration put out an FAQ um, earlier today, actually, and they did a presser on it. And I feel like, you know, it's a good stride for us in the direction of communication in terms of, you know, letting an alder know and, and the community know, I want to make sure that I'm implementing and fighting for whatever it is that we need for my community, for but for any alder yeah. that may expect this in, in the future. So uh, you issued a couple of statements since it happened. You issued one sort of the day of the, the protest immediately after, uh, talking about how the years of disinvestment in Brighton Park led you to run to, for office and, and how committed you are to making sure that residents have the resources they deserve, very much um, like some of the, the, the remarks you're making today. Um, a statement you released over the weekend, you wrote, quote, I've seen our community come together to make positive changes in the 12th Ward over my lifetime, and I know that we can do that again now. Talk about that. What creative solutions have you seen Brighton Park residents implement over the years that gives you hope that together we can make a positive change here? Yeah, I mean, you know, I really want to uplift the work of the mutual aid groups. I mean, you know, I can, I can start there. As soon as, you know, the buses started arriving, there's mutual aid groups, people within the community. I mean, these are, you know, people with families, people with jobs, and they're doing everything and anything they can on the ground. Also, Brighton Park Neighborhood Council, so the Neighborhood Council in Brighton Park, they have um, provided case management um, very early on when the buses started arriving at the hotels. They used to be able to have asylum seekers a little bit outside of the city at these hotels. And so I know that we do whatever we can with the little that we have. And I just want the city to know is that if they're going to lean on us to be able to help you know, in, in, in this occasion, they need to not only think about the asylum seekers, but think about how we can all win. How can this all work for everybody, especially in Brighton Park? And so this, this you know, disinvestment, years of disinvestment, I'm going to make, make sure that I advocate that, you know, we get a youth center. We actually don't have any senior services. Um, we're actually a neighborhood with the least amount of green space in all of the city. Mm. I mean, these are very clear demands that I have that they have to make sure that they do in order for it to work for everyone. So these are from coming from the conversations that your office is having already with Governor Pritzker and That's the White right. House. That's right. I know. Um, you know, having you know this platform now, platform now, and this opportunity to speak. I mean, and I said this, you know, very early on, um, as you asked me, I made sure that I shared my story about. 
I love my community. I love my residents. Validate their concerns. Realize that this is a real stressor on all of us and help us alleviate some of that. Yeah. Well, leave us with this. What can folks expect at tonight's meeting? Yeah. At tonight's meeting, everyone is going to get the information on when work started, what has happened within this week and a half, uh, what what the assessment process is like, what we're waiting on. And then, you know, maybe a little bit about, you know, if it is a site, kind of what to expect, because, you know, I even had gotten a question, do I bring my tent with me um, hmm. to the place? And so there's this lack of information of understanding what really this 10 site is able to provide. And so I want to... So you mean your residents asking if they can bring their own tent? Well, asking if asylum seekers will bring their own tent. Ah, so there is thinking it's lack of information there. Exactly. And so I want to make sure that we provide folks about what this 10 site encompasses Um and, and start from there, be all on the same page, and be able to figure out how we move forward. If a suggestion is brought up that could actually make things run more smoothly, I mean, do you anticipate the city would make any adjustments to the plan based on feedback that you hear tonight? I, I'm very hopeful. I, I, I'm, you know, as of right now, I'm really just trying to make sure that the information is given appropriately. And then after tonight, you know, I can start thinking long term. That's Alderwoman Julia Ramirez of the 12th Ward that covers Brighton and McKinley Park. Again, that community meeting will be held from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at Kelly High School. It's open to the public. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. This Reset Conversation was produced by Linnea Dominic and edited by Brenda Ruiz and Meha Ahmed. Thank you so much for listening. We drop new episodes of the pod every day from Monday to Saturday. You can also check out our full catalog of Reset interviews at wbez.org reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll meet again this afternoon. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.